Papercut Podcast strives to be evocative and inclusive. Every Monday, we cut below the surface with folks that make the Winnipeg arts and culture scene thrive. Welcome to Papercut Podcast. My name is Jared Gochik. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Marisol Nagesh. Now, please tell us a little bit about what you do. Hello, um, I'm an R&B singer and I am a pianist as well. And I lead a trio in town. I have a, like, a small project, which is my original music. And um, I spend a lot of time working either like on my own records and I also work with youth at Studio 393 along with other unconventional forms of income. <laughs> so keeping busy doing a lot of music oriented stuff. And uh, who's the trio? Mm-hmm. Like who's in that trio with you? I play with Julian Bradford and he's on bass guitar. Um, and he's very busy, so sometimes I have to um, ask it's like another wonderful musician, which is cool. So I'll play with um, Ashley Ao sometimes as well. And uh, on drums, it's Brendan Kinley as well. And he is an MC. He has his own project in town called Super Duty Tough Work. So we play in each other's projects. Cool. Yeah, you seem to be in other people's projects a lot. I try. Um, I, I guess I can book as much as I want or as much as I can with my own project, but to stay like either employed or I, I can't have the energy to always put a set together of my tunes. So it's cool to be hired to play sometimes just keyboard or sing for other people. And that's another way for me to practice and also like kind of expose myself and locally too. So what are some of the collaboration projects? Like name drop, all of them. Definitely. <laughs> well, tonight I'm like, sometimes I'll do a gig with a friend named Gabby. She's a a guitarist and singer in town and um we will either play at different restaurants tonight we're playing an event in birds hill so things like that um i also play with um a musician named fc coconut and um he's a beat maker in town and sometimes we will either go to umfm lay some tracks down play and throw some shows as well so he's another person that um i get to work with and he's not necessarily on an instrument he plays on electronic drums so that's kind of unique because I'll bring my keyboard and he'll sing or sorry I'll sing and then he'll kind of just come up with anything we don't even plan the set so it's pretty exploratory so those are two people that I'm often working with I would say so you play the keyboard you sing do you play any other instruments or is it just those two that you focus on I now play guitar I picked it up two summers ago and it was because I don't drive so when I'm gigging, I'm literally lugging uh, like an 80, 90 pound, 88 key wee- keyboard, essentially. So I'm looking for rides, looking for ways to commute. I'm like, I need to learn the guitar so I can just carry this lightly. <laughs> and then now I can comp myself. And if I have a gig that's solo, I can just carry an instrument that's chill and not going to kill my back. So, yeah. So what type of music do you make? I make R&B. Um, and... I studied classically, so I feel like when people hear my music, they kind of ask, oh, did you study? Because they hear some kind of like classical piano elements. Um, And then for some time, I kind of explored jazz and took a few lessons when I was living in the West Coast. And just like learning from jazz musicians in town, playing in their projects or going to jams, I kind of picked up a new vocabulary in music that I didn't have because like when you're playing classical music, you just play what's on the sheet and you don't improvise, you don't add any ideas, you are interpreting what the composer is doing. Now, making R&B, um, it's kind of like I have full control, like what the listener gets to hear. So it's a bit of classical. There's a lot of kind of like jazz harmony that people get to hear. And then in terms of singing, I also studied classical voice. So for like a long time, I literally sounded like an opera singer. Like I tried to sing R&B songs and I would sound like in my eyes, like really dorky. And <laughs> so I kind of have developed, I think, a, a sound of my own just by like pushing through and trying to find that voice. Because when it's trained, it kind of you have to like use it as a muscle and explore like now when you have the technique where you can go. So sometimes some songs are they sound super R and B and very soulful and some of them are really lyrical and they're more like if I was singing a rap. So they kind of like jump between those two styles, I think. So uh going from classical lyrics to are there lyrics in classical music or is um, it just like a there are like first there's a classical technique but you can use it in any style of 
of voice. So, like for instance, I I would study Italian arias, so like very German, like traditional German songs, old old French um, music, as well as um, like very classic Canadian composers. And then sometimes the lyrics would just be added onto very classic tunes. So the lyrics came separately, and then they would take classical composers and they kind of combine them. So. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, it was more so the difference between classical lyricism and like the your personal lyricism for your projects. Like, is there? I would say the classical influence came from the piano specifically because that was my first introduction to how to literally interpret music. Like when I like I would listen obviously as a child to the radio and CDs, but every week I would be playing composers from like the eighteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds, like way, way, way back when, and I would be um starting to see music in ways of like how to combine different elements of like harmony and uh, so like studying composers like Bach or Brahms it's like a very like it was like a mathematical introduction to music like literally assessing how old composers put things together so that sort of like structure transferred into like okay if I'm gonna write a song in my own style what how did Bach do it and I would understand sequence patterns understand his approach and then kind of like use that in a contemporary way if that makes sense um, a little and, bit yeah like, for <laughs> us i mean like if for instance like in class like for for bach he'll you know when you have a hook in a popular song that chorus bach had hooks too but he would repeat that like 15 16 times throughout the song and just do it in different keys and you'd have to play it in the piano and find the voicing so it's not lyrics but it's a it's like a musical idea that repeats and changes itself so i had like a weird way of kind of thinking about that and i would pick up weird things when i would listen to the radio too i would say oh that's totally something that i heard as a young child i didn't think that that would be in popular music in terms of lyrics um i was really influenced by hip-hop and, and rap lyrics so like people like guru and andre 3000 and outcast and most deaf black star the way that they would kind of like conceptualize their lyrics was super super clever to me and i said i want to be that but singing it so that's where like i think like the lyrical kind of like inspiration is from is like hip-hop for sure do you oh go ahead uh, you first uh it was more about the translation of the way that uh rap music would be um like it's more of a, a spoken rhythm versus the way that you sing it is there do you think that there is a difficulty in the translation between the the message that you want to get and the way that you're singing it for sure like that's like that's like such a dope question because that's essentially the hardest thing or like the biggest and coolest challenge about writing because sometimes i'll write something i'm like oh this is so clever and smart and really witty and once i sing it it doesn't impact because maybe i'm not able to like express the emotion as much because some little words are just getting in the way like with rap it's all about like that percussion like that interplay with the drums and being that other percussive piece whereas a singer now i'm focusing on okay if i have a, a lyric that's worth putting on a record what's the best melody to carry it so now it's like i'm more focusing on what's a beautiful sound and listening to um how to get a hook stuck in someone's head and that's essentially like it has nothing to do with words it's really about the harmony and like letting the voice be heard so for sure like the words get in the way sometimes i have some songs that are super like long notes and like very ambient and not so many words really and they're more, more meant as an intention for me to relax like i write them as like almost like a meditation and then when they get really wordy um that's because i really have something heavy to say and i can't edit it so so yeah. that would be if someone was going to your show the way that you uh portray the lyrics whether it's like heavy and wordy it's like pay attention to what I'm saying and if it's melodic it's like relax with me sort exactly. of thing so exactly. you're like setting the tone with the way that you mm -hmm. send your message that's cool now how do you find <laughs> putting important messages in your song is obviously what you want to do but do you find yourself needing to have more melodic beats for sometimes you know to engage the audience a little bit more do you find like some of the heavier stuff might not stick as much as something that's just more melodic and easy for sure. Uh, I think that's the the balance that artists are always trying to make 
as uh, at least I can speak for myself is I want it to be catchy I want it to be hot but I don't want to say nothing on it as well I think that there's a there's room for some songs that are just meant to be a vibe and meant to be silly and just replay it and you're not gonna get a message from it but you're gonna feel away and that's totally okay um and at this point I haven't released an incredible amount of music so I'm still working on some songs I've been sitting on for two to three years where now I'm like okay this is a catchy song but um maybe I don't have to be so explicit with some of my lyrics it's not all going to be said in one tune so I think that's when we talk about like the ver- the idea of EPs versus records like if I'm going to make a record it's going to be conceptual and like the whole thing it'll be like a fashion line like every song will inform the other whereas with singles it's more exploratory for me again where I can be like okay I have this idea let's test it out and let's see how people like it and I think that's the stage I'm in right now where I'm trying to see the response like literally experimental response to different songs that I have and and pick people's brain to how they receive it instead of saying this is me you like it or not because I don't feel like I'm in a position right now to do that or that's just not my mo right now for whatever reason so when it comes to response from fans because you play in I it seems to me every weekend you're always playing you're always somewhere with somebody doing something uh and the fan response to you is it like sometimes too much or overwhelming or like someone has an opinion and you're like that's yours like keep it to yourself like how has your interaction with fans that are starting to recognize you from seeing you play all the time impacted your music or the way that you interact perhaps like social events and situations I'm super happy when anyone approaches me and has any comment good or or what I want to hear or not what I want to hear because it just means that like they were moved enough to even just say something many and I wouldn't say that um everything has been like positive response because everyone has their tastes that they like but I think like responding to people who approach after shows to that have words it's generally really really encouraging or really curious like where where are you from or where who do you listen to um However, a lot of my fan, or I shouldn't say fan, but like audience engagement that I observe, I find it's like a lot like while I'm playing, like searching the crowds to see people's faces during the performance. Like which which songs do people stop for when they're at the bar and like look at me? I'm always like with one eye kind of watching that or like telling the telling someone in the crowd, yo, like check out which songs people want to look and look back on and look or not and then which songs do people walk away from like which songs do people say okay i have time for a smoke now Mm -hmm. and then that makes me think what could have the the reason been like why did they not stay for that one it's not like oh i'm heartbroken they walked out maybe the arrangement sometimes is a little convoluted to the to the listener sometimes i get really excited and add a lot of things and so some people have actually said to me hey i really like like this is a true story i did a show two years ago and there's a song I just released called Fade Out and I was playing this song. It was a completely different arrangement and it's a super wordy song, three verses and a bridge and it's quite long and he's like, I like what you're doing but your lyrics are super, super explicit and I feel like you might lose someone when you get really deep into a personal narrative instead of making it relatable for an everyday listener. Like Sometimes when you leave more to be imagined then that gets people to relate to it more from any background and not just your own personal experience. And I really valued that. And at the same time, I'm like, you're whack. (laughs) So like (laughs) a piece of that, I'm like, that's so true. And at the same time, if I'm not going to push myself to kind of be creative with with any song arrangement, then I'm not going to progress in what I'm doing. I'm just going to be another contributor to kind of a cool hook verse song that's going to be played on the radio and then forgotten in a year so for me i find so much that yeah when people give me a little bit of feedback i i document everything and then i just decide do i really feel like that's where i want to go or not um but generally people are so supportive um and so um ready to like hear more i feel i've been playing a lot of songs for like five to six songs for quite some time now and not everyone has heard of them and so we try to keep playing it so that everyone can kind of familiarize himself but quite a few people are like okay what are you what are you working on next because we're always kind of experimenting too yeah so i'm not super familiar but could you speak on the r&b community in winnipeg i can 
Uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> R&B is uh, growing in Winnipeg. It's essentially, um, there's so much talent in the city and a lot of singers and producers making R&B music that is, uh, that can be compared anywhere in the world, really. So I've found that in the past, like I would say year, I've been able to go to different shows and um, even search online. There's a lot of people who don't have a physical presence on the local scene. They literally just produce music and release it online. And they have a huge, maybe like a SoundCloud following um, or a Bandcamp following. And they are local, but they don't show their face because they're not really interested in the performance aspect. So R&B's really I think about to blow up in Winnipeg I think I think Winnipeg is a I was having a conversation with a friend Ashley the other week about how we have an opportunity to be tastemakers here because we are a predominantly rock indie and pop kind of scene but these other I want I don't want to call them fringe genres but hip-hop R&B and alternative is kind of gaining momentum and kind of um, holding on to each other like we're supporting each other in those genres and so um, yeah, R&B, like, there's artists like Cisha, Keisha Booker, there is also um, someone named Andrew Lado, who is a producer, he works with Chris Bennett, and I would say he's got a quintessential sound that I feel like would be cool to equate with the city, um, and I would say artists even like Atlas and Rihanna, who you can tell that when they sing, they've listened to that music and you can hear it kind of woven. So I think the R&B is a loose term. I don't want to call any singer who's kind of singing a soulful song an R&B singer because, but um, yeah, it's a thing in Winnipeg for sure. And we are strong artists out here too. So mm-hmm. it's kind of exciting to see. I want to go back just a little bit to when you said those communities, the fringe communities, that's in air quotes, you can't see that on podcasts, <laughs> are uh, <laughs> are sort of banding together a bit and like supporting each other in, in those communities. So what are some of the odd pairings that have worked out so well with some of those fringe genre artists? Do you I know think, of any? Um, I think when you start to see people who are poets or um, just writers have an opportunity to step up to the microphone backed by a band or backed by a singer, that's a really cool combination. I think with Super Duty Tough Work, it was, um, it's a band that gives that opportunity to see different people of different disciplines kind of combined because, for instance, the band is very much session musicians or, or uh, students in kind of like the jazz-centric realm. and. Then you have an MC who um, is also a musician, but we also have invited, or Brendan has invited poets like uh, like Victoria Dawn, um, who is a young Indigenous woman, and that is, though she's not necessarily a musician, that is kind of how we I see different disciplines being able to combine in this genre or this community. So um, that was a really cool kind of like uh, collaboration. I think. Um, and like R and B and hip hop have always like crossed realms, but I think there's also artists who are in the French community who have um, approached me saying, "Oh, we we're looking for a singer for this," and um, it's kind of an indie tune, but um, we love your voice. Could you please maybe like lay some vocals or an electronic producer who I worked with named Ben? His project is Now Feel, and um, very very electronic, very different than what I'm used to and I got to kind of explore that so that's not something I would have thought to do and Winnipeg allows that to happen so yeah so I want to talk a bit about your background in music because you were saying you were studying music when you were on the west coast so can you tell us a bit about your educational background in music like starting from when you started to being here now for sure uh I Singing. My first kind of introduction to singing was in church, and I can remember being five years old and um, staying at my great aunt's place a lot because she would babysit me, and I would learn to sing "Oh Holy Night" and "Silent Night" and all of the Christmas hymns. Like, but I'm saying like eight o'clock p.m. I'm singing it for no reason, just practicing. Like, and, and it's summer, you know. <laughs> so, and it wasn't like labor. It was just like I loved to do it. So I would learn. Um, just to hear the songs because we didn't play them on the radio. My aunt would just sing them. It was mm-hmm. so it was kind of a weird thing that we would do. And then um, with church, I started um, singing in the praise and worship, and that was kind of um, totally different because 
I'm interpreting songs that are not necessarily gospel or they're very westernized approaches to um, I would say church worship and I didn't really connect in that way and so by the age of eight I started uh, taking piano lessons until I was 18 and um, I started taking vocal lessons from the age of 11 till 18 and when I moved on the west coast I thought to Google because I was just really hungry to learn from a pianist or just someone that could teach me some other ideas outside of the structure of classical music and then I went on Google and I searched up a bunch of names and I found um, a listing of someone's website I looked at his kind of like his CV and I liked who he played with and it's like super OG dude and I hit him up I emailed him I said would you ever want to teach me a couple lessons and then um, for for three months, I would just go and kind of learn his basics, listen to the classic jazz records, pick his brain. That was super valuable. And um, it was strange because I wasn't necessarily able to focus how I thought I would be able to in Vancouver. I spent a total of two years there and was able to like connect with a lot of musicians. And But their music scene is very similar to Winnipeg in the sense that I don't think a hip-hop or R&B infrastructure really exists to the extent that it could in such a city like that and so I found myself just like here having to create events or um or exciting like not like having to create but creating events and being a planner more so than a performer and then so after kind of exploring I would say the most I've learned really is jamming with other musicians because I have the framework from classical lessons and I took I can take the lessons I want but I know now from performing a lot that the best way I learn is by ear and by imitating what I hear around me so being able to play with really heavy hitting instrumentalists in town it's like sometimes I'll just be like yo I'm gonna press record okay because there's some <laughs> stuff you're doing and I kind of want to study it after and like, okay so it's a kind of constant study, I think. I don't even think I'm done studying necessarily, even if I'm not formally enrolled anywhere. It's always mm-hmm. a lot of YouTube study, a lot of YouTube binging and um, record digging, trying to replicate. So that's all part of the study, I think, too. Yeah. Who would you say is one musician locally that you... Same question. That's where you were... Yeah, yeah, exactly. That you've soaked up a lot of information from. Don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> or if you have a couple, that's that's cool I was too. not shy, but I was gonna say Brendan, but I laughed because just knowing him, I just know how happy he'll be. Like exactly, yeah, you did absorb a lot. From me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just playing, but I would say Brendan because um, what's his last name? Kinley. Brand- Brandon Kinley, right? From Definitely. Super Duty Tough Work. Super Duty. Yeah. Um, the MC is that his position in that band? Yes, yeah. MC. Um. Dictator? No, I'm playing. Um, no, no, like just, just like yeah, the leader, the band leader, and he's arranged the project. But I, I would say though, we don't necessarily um, play. Like we, I've known him or met him years ago. I would say like 2012, and we've kind of played in different projects all the time. And though I don't play shows. Um, I didn't play shows all the time in 2012, 2013, and it's kind of been a slower start. I've been able to observe how he's kind of put together his project, um, how he is very political with his um, with his views, and he's very vocal about that. And in his genre, that is hand in hand, and that is not something that exists in Winnipeg. There is no other political rapper in Winnipeg pushing the agenda like he is. And for me, that's the pull of being in that project because I'm not just learning musically, I'm learning about um, the a climate that I need to contribute to, and from I, I'm happy to be able to align myself with someone who takes the job really seriously. It's not really about making hot tunes; it's about changing a mind frame um, and bring issues to light. So I would say, yeah, I've tried to be a sponge. However, I don't always take all the advice. I would say mm-hmm. um, he's definitely one. I would also have to say. Um, when I said that there's some artists around who don't have a like a presence physically on the scene, I don't gig, but I was able to um, collaborate with a vocalist named Mo, and he is and he's got some music online that after this I have to send you guys because he's just amazing. But he's super young; he's a 19 year old vocalist, and he um, just 
is very intent on talking about spirituality, his identity as um, a person of color in Winnipeg in the South End. You hear that he is really like pushing himself, but not really interested in having his face out there. He really speaks to the music. And I think that um, when you don't have a visual online and you're just putting your music out there, that's a testament to how where you're where your um focus is it's really on the sonic and it's not on anything else so um and he's also very young like i said 19 so Mm -hmm. uh, a young man who just is kind of like already ahead of the game in terms of like what he wants to do and that really inspired me because it let me think that yeah focus on the music because people recognize that here and abroad Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of the musicians that you've talked about in r&b are men in r&b and uh, how is the the presence of women in R&B in Winnipeg? Uh, it's strong. And like I said, um, Sisha is one vocalist that's an R&B singer. Sorry, not saying that you didn't mention anyone, but just talking about some of the some of your influencers and some of the projects that you've collaborated. Not to say that you um, didn't mention them. I haven't collaborated with many women in, I think you would say like the R&B singer, but I've collaborated with women. Mm-hmm. And so... I don't, um, I would say that, sorry, what was the question in terms of like? I don't know, exactly. <laughs> it was more so like how, like women in R&B, because they're, for me personally, I feel like the most visual and like uh, the people that you see most performing R&B music in Winnipeg are men. And like how, how do you, how is the condition of women in R&B? Like, are there many women in R&B? Is there a space for women in R&B? I would say, like, I'm not really even familiar with men in R&B in Winnipeg. Like, oh, uh, well. like, like men, like, singing R&B. Maybe um, I'm... There's someone I'm thinking of. Like, I guess, like, we're all getting into the genres. Like, what's R&B? What's yeah, like, sorry. Brendan, I, no, it's whatever. It's like, Brendan is, is an artist, and there are, are like I'm an R&B singer who plays in his project. Okay. But um, I wouldn't call him an R&B artist. Okay. No, so what is Super Duty Tough Work? What is their It's a jazz hip hop ensemble. Jazz hip hop. Okay. Yeah. Hip hop yeah. and R&B, I'm I'm so bad. I <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't necessarily think it matters too. Okay. I great. think because like you guys already know what you like and what you don't like. So, I don't know. And same with me. Sometimes I will label something and I'm like that's definitely not even what that was. But um in terms of women in R&B Cisha, there's also upcoming singers that I don't even really know but people are always putting me on like oh hey have you heard this this girl this girl really sings this girl really sings also working at studio 393 which is a drop-in center in Portage Place I get to see a lot of different youth and um though they're not established vocalists or singers um I think they very much do contribute to like R&B or like they could be considered as like part of the community because they are always there kind of working on their music and they're absorbing and they're also um, now 393 has their own podcast so i think they're contributing to the community i think that in terms of r&b winnipeg there's still a lot of work to do because even me i'm kind of grasping at straws to say what represents it and i can't even put my finger on because um we don't really have the representation on a business front like other like like indie music or pop music has when you go to manitoba music they're in the beginning stages of creating that platform and so i think when we start to see how that evolves i think the names will come to me quicker <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. well that's sort of, sort of what i was getting at was because i just like you right. you probably know much more than i do but it seems that the the condition of the scene is just like shaping itself right now and like moving up if i want to keep it real um yeah always the, keep it real on the surface like i exploring social media and this faux sense of like community and like there is a sense of community absolutely and at shows there's so much love but within um if we want to say these fringe genres that have kind of come together there's so much work to be done because it's a little it is still a little bit disconnected i think that you have groups which work together in their own kind of like friend groups that they've known each other and they're trying to push their music but um i would say there's still so much to be done we don't really have venues that are specifically like kind of like a soul venue or like where they're known to play oh there's gonna be a cool funk night um you have the cavern which has soul night i don't classify that as soul night i don't i really don't i think if you're playing covers 
of soul musicians, but you're white. Your band is predominantly white, and um, your crew is predominantly white, and it's one night a week. Then it makes me kind of think. It makes me kind of think that there's just not the system that's supporting what I really want to see yet. So I think yeah, there's a lot to be done. <laughs> so if you're doing like a top three list of like work that needs to be done, like what would be the most helpful things? right now like what needs to be done today number one i think positions of management agency tour planning and on the business front um is so so needed in hip-hop and r&b and and community because um and obviously that's essential in any genre but when you see the majority of music being pushed um coming from a almost like an indie rock sense i don't think that's necessarily representative of how diverse um, the music is when we're walking down downtown Winnipeg or when I'm going to a show and I'm able to hear something like a jazz ensemble. So that's not really represented. So if there will be people on the business end, um, like in any other metropolitan city who that's their passion, they, they know the business, they love to book tours for artists, they love searching for talent and finding them platforms or venues to perform in, then artists like myself could really focus on what we love and have struggled doing, which is the music. And there's so much focus, I think, that has to go into creating records that sometimes we just see an oversaturated market because people are just trying to get themselves present on on a scale to be heard. So we got to push our song, we got to push our song. And I think that allows the music to fall secondhand to, to just kind of getting out there. And people like Anthony from 3P, who's their manager, who not only helps his project but is kind of always hitting me up when he sees something hey apply for this festival i would have loved to but sometimes i don't even have the time to be searching on and and researching because i'm in the studio so like there's just like a team required and not just on the artist front but on people like you guys putting podcasts up and like setting light on artists it's so so huge and I'm so stoked to see that um, sometimes even writers from Stylist Magazine, writers themselves hold so much power in um, uplifting the musical community, which has so much work to do in terms of getting ourselves out there. Um, so yeah, podcasts like you, writers, magazines, visual artists um, have the power to collaborate with musicians now. And I find that myself combining more with visual artists in a strange sense because their their galleries provide an opportunity for me to play and my performances allow their guests to be introduced to this musical word world that maybe they don't really jump into all the time so yeah business end is so needed in the city and i think that's why we see a lot of musicians move away um, joanna majoko michael watson um these people move to the west coast those are just two vocalists that i really love um and um they don't stay here because they see it's limited or they just know that in another city there's going to be people on the business front ready to push them mm-hmm. push them further so up to number one yeah. <laughs> do we want to get oh, to two and three okay. <laughs> we don't have to okay i said like, the top never, three things but you just that was great i, I think really we wanted to delve into that well, yeah, yeah for sure yeah. it's just every it's more and more obvious whenever i'm creating music and just exhausted or just not even exhausted but like stressed I, I i'm a very stressed person even if people are like oh marisol you're very relaxed inside there's always turmoil it's like it's like a damn mess so like um when i get to when i get to see people or um festival coordinators like people from big fun or rainbow trout saying hey we want to see you at our festival we want to give you an opportunity that they're not playing the music but they're allowing me to be heard they're allowing people like me to be heard and that's so so sick um, also, um, what else is needed? I would say venues, venues. I, I think that when I think, oh, I have a, a coffee house that I want to do, we have awesome cafes, but they get a little bit played. Um, and I don't want to necessarily play at the same joint every single week. And I don't think people want to go to the same place every single week. And so I think that if, um, if we had more venues that were open to hosting live music of any sort, um, because there's tons of restaurants here, um, then that would be great. Um, I would think that 
like just to touch on that like just explore on that too, yeah like, for sure even if there are no venues that are necessarily like music centric as artists we've had like in response we've had to create those opportunities for ourselves um and see which kind of unconventional venues can lend themselves to be like music venues right so i think that like um fourth when they opened they were not a music venue um but upon request or like a suggestion from a friend they're like hey why don't you just see if they would host it and now fourth hosts music all the time and you can just see that like though we don't see um on the surface that something could lend itself to music we just kind of have to reimagine it re- reimagine it and then it'll be dope you know the goodwill is a dope place but um someone like me i don't necessarily think i can fill a room of 200 people on a thursday and so that's another reality is like music or sorry venues that are maybe a little scaled down or um are for something different than a really really big space that's hard to fill um i think strong badger in the west end is another place that's like a representation of that fairly new and has like a setup already for music has instruments there that's really rare you don't really see that a lot like to have that set up on the business already and then as a musician not having to bring and rent a hundred dollars worth of a pa system mixing board and everything like that i think people don't realize how huge that is so um, mm. that's needed venues business end and um i don't know i think number three i have to think on that <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. you kind of went into a lot of it which is just support too like from stylists from graphic designers from other people like if there is business and and venues and support then that's just like a perfect combination of just like creating a platform to elevate something that winnipeg's got a lot of like support with is like i think photography like there are so many amazing photographers in town who bless me with photos of me that don't look hideous and don't ask for anything in in return and um for me, that's really huge because I think um, many artists don't really like to be photographed, um, or like, or we have to think about our our image in a new way that maybe we weren't expect expecting to. Um, for me, when I started music, I'm just I was thinking I'm going to make awesome songs and play music, and that's great. And like naively learning that no, your visual is like. N- actually the first and most important thing the music comes second because that's their first contact with you like they want to know what they're going to expect from your music so being able to have like professional photography um offered is so big and we have so many of that and i think that's huge Yeah. yeah so how uh you said something like the photographers are offering you photos so someone that's like a sort of like an artist starting out and can't necessarily afford to have a photographer there. Is it like so important to have someone that's offering their services to you? It's like, yeah, it's so huge. I can't even stress it because photography, I wouldn't be comfortable and they wouldn't be comfortable, I think, working for less than, let's say, $100 for for a commission, okay? But $100 is sadly the benchmark for a session musician in the city and across Canada for a gig Um, and it's been the same that's been the same kind of like minimum benchmark rate since the 90s so like you've seen that like we see that the the rate for musicians and hiring them hasn't um, hasn't been raised but the demand or what we have to spend to to promote ourselves is inflating and so when someone says I have a couple photos of you that means that I can apply for festivals and not spend what i just worked that night and i can't even thank them enough it's actually really big yeah for sure so if anybody has a service like say like uh graphic design and they want to make posters or photography those types of things or want to write an article or want to interview those things are big for artists and those are things that you'd be like willing to like accept or negotiate or talk about like sure for sure some of those beginning um, artists I think like I've been able to talk to a lot of students like for instance from Red River um, who are in the Crecom program and they're and the fact that sometimes they want to just kind of pick my brain and maybe write a little write up for their for the magazine that allows me to to reach people in college but also allows them to kind of practice the writing or for whatever reason they want to practice on me so like that's mm-hmm. kind of really cool um and then also um people who are students who this is part of their curriculum anyways so it's project-based and it's part of their study and I've, i'm seeing students now go to the music community and say we have a lot of talent here i can just do my project or my final project um with an artist and collaborating and highlighting them so 
it's a really big deal yeah so not having that kind of team to manage and having to look after your own image how is that balance of making music that you know you're trying to invest time in and also making sure you post on social media and that you get this gig out early enough that you'll get a, a crew of people coming through how do you find the balance it's a lot of trial and error and learning from experience i think um social media is a trip for me because i'm still or i'm now finishing the end where it's a personal social media because um instagram to me is like fairly new i wouldn't say i've been on instagram or like a, a heavy heavy poster for quite some time but that is um artists benchmark and now followers are so um important when people are looking to book you so people really want your instagram and website to look away and i think that i'm really focusing on like outsourcing that to people who specialize in that for me i'm not uh in an instagram curator that's just not what i am i like to express myself in in fun ways but i realize now there's a challenge where i want to post something as marisol but marisol nagash who sings r&b who someone may have never heard of it might not represent me in the way that i need to represent so it's kind of like strange editing now um in terms of like oh i really want to post this and this is on my mind but ugh, I, I really shouldn't because um it's not necessarily helping um helping the music and it's really everything's being overtaken with like now it's a music account it's not a marisol nagash account mm-hmm. um and so that's one thing i would say is it struggling at all? Like, do you want, you know, say you have a goofy photo that you want to post, but like, do you ever get bummed out or do you ever think like, it'd be nice to have that separation of me as a person and me as a musician? It would really be nice to have it. I think I, I use Facebook as that separation. Um, I have very few Facebook friends. I have like 350 Facebook friends that I don't accept requests unless I've seen you face to face because I have no interest in them seeing where I went to high school or what I used, where I used to work in nine or 2010 you know like I don't want them to know that but um, I don't necessarily get bummed out and more and more though I thought I was gonna say okay I'm not gonna post this because it's kind of weird sometimes I'm like screw it like this is really who I am and um, what is it gonna do if I post something really strange and I think a lot of my music um, and my personality needs to kind of like combine now and be presented in like a way that I'm not editing it so like it is a struggle but um I'm trying to work through it. <laughs> so those likes and engagement on social media are important for things like getting shows and festivals. Like if someone likes you, the bare minimum, the minimum that they could do would just be like toss you a follow on any sort of social media. Like, Definitely. do you find that that's a totally? I'm learning now too the power of like really having to shout out your handle at shows and that even something as. Um, like it seems as innocuous as that can be stressful because um, I don't necessarily want to bombard people and there's just a way a tactful way to say hey if you are interested um, just like shoot it a follow on Instagram and um, sometimes you'll get like 40 follows a day if you have like a, a bigger crowd at a festival mm-hmm. and you'll just um, but I don't necessarily push that as much as I could mm-hmm. um, I wonder sometimes if it's like a sabotage essentially for myself or or not as I'm just like internally working that through too because it's just all a little bit new to me as well and I'm not trying to always stress the social media front of it too because it's like gives me a headache sometimes yeah for sure yeah but yeah like you said engagement is super uh, important and unfortunately more important than the music if you have 12,000 followers on Instagram people I think will notice you versus if you have a world renowned record with 40 so that's just like the reality of it today I think is you need to show that people are interested in what you're doing um, somehow <laughs> yeah I find that like one of the things like oh someone check out this artist and then you go on to their social media that's the first thing that you do is check their social media holy shit this person has 16,000 follows okay mm-hmm. now I can listen to them because it's like they're, that's worth my time sort of like people are starting to put so yeah, their time is so valuable. There's so much that everybody has to do. And even with having just like a computer in your hand, like a phone is just a computer in your hand, mm-hmm. right? So I, th- I think that's really interesting that that like if you like someone, just like them. Like yeah, it's on a button. Yeah. It's literally a, a click. Yeah. And yeah. it's something that I guess we've all considered before, but never, I, 
pardon me, I've never like really thought about it. Like I, t- I base my judgment sometimes on likes, though I don't think I so physically I. like sure. all of the bands that I really do like. Like my favorite bands, I don't know if I like them on Instagram or Facebook. I'm going to go do that. <laughs> This is a support session, you know? Yeah, like yeah this is just one thing like to take away. <laughs> support session with Marisol again. Mm-hmm. So, just hijacking that for a moment, is there a generation of R&B artists in Winnipeg to mentor you right now? For me to like to a like that to mentor you like a generation older than you that is there's no door open or there's no platform or is there someone that you like look up to in your scene that is older than you and no longer making music if there is a door i haven't come across it right <laughs> and i've been walking looking for it yeah. um and i think that um but that's on the responsibility of the artist like that's my responsibility to seek it through i don't i certainly don't expect anyone to hit me up and be like okay we want to give you the one-on-one on how you can do this but i don't really see five years ago that there were r&b shows hitting and people and people showing or like allowing me to observe what it took to do it it was very much oh i'm gonna find this out as i do it as i collaborate with organizers collectives dancers b-boys who organize their own shows it was more like we're all kind of figuring this out on our own um so to mentor me no but i think seeking mentorship from people outside of the discipline that i do is the most valuable thing i can because we work very similarly no matter what our creative outlet is and if i just intelligently watch how people hustle that's still learning to me so mm-hmm. maybe it's not an r&b singer but maybe it's a, a painter who now has a gallery and didn't have it and how did you get there so just always trying to learn from anyone who looks like they're going through what i'm going through cool yeah i was just the way that i was thinking uh that brought that question up was it seems like because uh because you're sort of have to pay attention to yourself in this sort of way once you the once you are past per- performing at one point then you would have the time to possibly do that so i was wondering if there was someone else that has since passed performing and trying to help you but not yet I think you haven't that, found them yet <laughs> maybe not yet i would say um pauline who is uh one of the organizers for northern touch mm-hmm. um certainly showed so much support i know that she has uh she had a a background in music before and now she's taking time to help artists however she can with booking tours or just offering support being able to pick her brain so she's certainly such a valuable kind of like person in the scene um and um yeah so there's there are supportive people but maybe not people who are a prototype of perhaps what i see myself doing Mm -hmm. i think that's a lot to do with I don't think there has been someone who's doing what I'm doing around here for a while, though. I really don't think that there's someone who's writing their music, playing the piano, singing, curating events, collaborating with jazz musicians, and pushing themselves as a young black woman. I just, like, if there is someone, um, then, then hell yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I want to know them, and I want to, and I want to connect with them, but, um, Though that, that sounds very isolating, it really isn't. I just, I think that's just facts. Like, it just isn't, like, it's geography. It's a it's a wider town, um, and the colored community, uh, people of color are a little bit disconnected in terms of geography. I think, like, we stay in our pockets, in our geographical pockets and creeks. So um, that's just a, a residue of, like, where I am in the world, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really cool because you were describing a lot of people who might see this scene as limiting and they head out west or out east or wherever you think the scene's bigger. I think props to you for for still sticking with the scene and, and growing it and being a, a huge part of it through Thank everything you, you do. super dope to hear. That's really ill. Well, absolutely. Um, I think that the fact that you are, like, with every positive move and the bigger that you get you're just sort of guiding like what like geese you know you're just sort of like making like the rest so people can follow in your trail because if there's nobody else to lead those geese (laughs) do you understand what i mean though like you're like cutting through yeah 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 Yeah, that's so dope and i'm like i'm happy that and i didn't expect that that would be something to do with making music it's like being able to 
um, encourage other artists to do it. But that's a really real want of young artists to be seen and heard in the city, um, not just musically. And like with the nature of art, we kind of like cross each other all the time in terms of like visual and music and and dance. And so I'm yeah, like I think it's more of like a movement than it is like an isolated move on my part to like right. propel my career. It's kind of like um, I really am intent to show that to show and represent that the music I create is a product of um, this community, as strange as that is. It's just my it's my voice kind of mirroring what I see. And it happens to be in the vein of R and B and like that's super, super unique and and um important right now, I think, in the prairies. Uh there are also singers like there's a beautiful singer who moved here from Regina and there's more singers from um Saskatchewan who are kind of coming to Winnipeg to look for a place to to perform themselves because maybe it doesn't exist out there. So some things are happening. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about before we close the show? That was my question. Is like, do you want to say anything? Oh, anything I want to talk about. Or any questions that you thought we would ask and we didn't? Uh, did we screw this up? <laughs> no, no, this has been great. Yeah. Um, I took a very distinct turn. I didn't know that we were talking about this kind of stuff, too. Like, I thought, like, um, it would be more about uh, process, and I'm glad that this interview was more so like about my experience in Winnipeg doing what I'm doing. Um, I think you guys covered it great. Oh, thank you. But do you want to talk about process a little bit? (laughs) Oh, we could. No, but no, not at all. Really. I just, that's a very popular question. Right. Okay. Okay. It's been said and done. How do you write your music? And like, and that's really it. But um, you guys have allowed me to talk freely and that's really dope. Okay. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. So much. And... Thank you for cutting deep with us on Papercut Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, you might like another episode. Find all of our episodes at papercutwinnipeg.com. Here's a cut from our interview next week with Wes Keeley. This is my regular voice. That's like a sultry voice. And then uh, yeah. if you go really... For you oils. Can get, you can get the real nice deep stuff here. Whoa. Now what would you Ooh, sell with twang. that? What do you sell with that? Yeah. Give like, us a little commercial. Bourbon? Um, <laughs> I don't want to pay you though, so bourbon, don't do too much. Yeah. Uh, tires? Uh, buy some tires. Oh, yeah. Buy some, buy some uh, liquor. Tires.